Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. I am recording over Zoom as I host this because, uh, you know, we're an abundance of caution about the Delta variant of coronavirus because, uh, you know, a bunch of people, not going to name any Republican names, Sue. I mean, oh, crap. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. You're just starting off begin. like this, I'm so bad at this. Anyway, um, yes. So, uh, uh, you know, for sensible reasons, we're 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 uh, not recording live in the studio, uh, and, and uh, part of part from the general you know cautiousness involved, uh, that is because uh, Sue Timberlake. Say hi, Sue. Oh. Hi, Sue. And and genre. <laughs> At, at, at Good night, I, Gracie. Are, right. Are joined by uh, the, I'm only one old enough to get that joke. Right. <laughs> the right honorable mayor of, of Yield East Hampton, Nicole LaChapelle. Hey Nicole, welcome back to Civil Politics. Hello, and thank you for having me back. Sure, absolutely. There's ease at the end of all of those words, and then terror sentence, ye old East Hampton. Yeah, and a couple of umlauts just for for flavor. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? Tasty. Yeah. So, uh, so Nicole, uh, what's going on with uh, the city government dealing with COVID issues here in our fair city, which which I'm actually in right now since I'm at home. Um, Are you? Yeah. Are you in East Hampton right now, Michael? Yep, I'm up on Florence Road by the Lathrop Retirement Community is where I am. So, woo. And just yeah. broadcasting um, your location out to everybody, huh? I look, I'm fairly certain people can find me if they put any kind of effort into it, you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to you get a stalker. Oh my god. That's true. That's true. But that that's how you know I'm a I'm I'm a real sex symbol that uh, I'm somebody stalking me. So it's worth it. <laughs> oh, the novelty. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, or not. <laughs> well, it's okay. So How's uh how what what are you guys doing in the in East Hampton city government with COVID? Any precautions yeah. or something? Just trying to move on here. How's yeah. it going? What's going on yeah. in the in the schools in particular? Uh, so I mean, since you, uh, I don't actually like from February first of um twenty twenty. I can't even keep the year straight. Um, I took a very stern approach to COVID. 19 and how we should address it. Um, public safety has always been number one. Um, and, you know, I've said over and over again that looking back at this, if I was overcautious or looked overcautious, then I had done my job. Yeah. Um, because what I learned on the, you know, recovery economic um, board on the, with the governor and the lieutenant governor and all of the data that we were getting um, you know, there was no real way for a long time to go out into public, into like, say, a grocery mart or whatnot, and not, you know, you just couldn't say, oh, I wasn't exposed, or I didn't, expo-, you know, that there was really no way. 
I mean, it was a roll of the dice every time. Yeah, mitigation, but no prevention. Um, you know, fast forward, we've you know we've never really veered from that track, even when the declaration of emergency ended on the state and the local level, and we got ready for schools. Um, even before school started, we we were starting to strongly advise masking again, social distancing, um, especially indoors. Then we went to a mask mandate indoors and groups above 100 when they couldn't socially distance. And that's what's in effect now. Um, the schools coming, you know, back into session, you know, we have seen, I don't, the data that I get about our COVID cases, it, it's not truly desegregated. I, I, I know um, disaggregated, what am I saying? Um, disaggregated. So hmm. I know the age groups, um, but don't necessarily know if they're East Hampton public school students. Um, but we are seeing, you know, an amazing uptick of cases amongst our youth in East Hampton. And it, it's difficult not to have some connection or, or make some correlation to the opening of the schools. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, very concerned about um, one school children, anybody non-vaccinated. I'm also concerned about, you know, the breakthrough cases. Um, and I appreciated before we started, Michael, your statement around, you know, 59 people out of 500 or whatnot, every life. Uh, uh, 50,000 in the UK. 50,000. Yeah. And I. I was listening to a British show. That's why I had that figure. But I'm sorry, 59 people out of 50,000 in the UK who died this year of COVID, only 59 were fully vaccinated without some previous medical condition that made them more vulnerable. Sorry. And yeah, no. And and that's, you know, notable. you know, loss of life of any lives are, it's devastating. But that said, with the breakthrough cases, how many breakthrough cases do we not know about? Because people think they have a cold and they're spreading it to, you know, their Cub Scout group or their school group or the kid who's standing in back of them at Mount Sun ice cream. Or they, or they feel fine altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I'm, that's the part of this that's really worrisome. You know, it's hard to stay vigilant when, you know, you're, you're combating something that's invisible, you know, and, and doesn't really, it, and it masks itself in a whole bunch of different ways, including feeling fine. Um, and, and what does that do? Um, you know, so we're, we've done some bigger events. They've gone well, we haven't seen spikes. We're very persistent on the, um, on the masks. We did pop-up vaccination sites. We'll do pop-ups. Um, flu vaccination drive-throughs. Um, I've diverted a lot of the uh, FEMA money and CARE Act money um, to these mitigation um, uh, efforts, and I will continue to do so. And I, I always caution everyone that what we knew about COVID-19 or whatever we thought in surety, you know, even a month ago. Um, has changed in some way another piece of the puzzle has come forward or you know yeah. another study if, if this is you know covid's still in charge <laughs> like there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind it, it's still a a novel coronavirus for all that it's yeah. being widely studied there's still so much you know we don't know that we haven't had time to learn especially about the lingering effects on you know the percentage of people who have yeah. some, you know 
like long COVID who gets mm-hmm. something nasty. Mm-hmm. Can I uh, just uh, can I break? Go ahead, John. I had a question. Just uh, I, um, as an alum, uh, I'm just wondering about uh, Williston and how that affects the uh, affects the town. I don't know if they're. Oh, this- School um, in East Hampton. Yeah, I don't know if they're uh, doing mm-hmm. if they have people coming on campus or um, because you were yeah. talking about like school children and and how you can do things about the uh, the public school system, but it's a private school, so I don't know how much control you have on trying to keep uh, like the the private kids um, like yeah. COVID free or I don't know if you, I I know it's a it's a private institution so you don't have like direct control over it obviously but I don't know if that uh, if anything happening there was affecting your how you were uh, taking care of COVID like elsewhere in the city. Yeah, so actually we do. And um, one big thing as soon as I signed the declaration of emergency in East Hampton, our board of health three unknowing volunteers very dedicated to public safety and public health all of a sudden have more power than the mayor because it's a public health declaration, including Williston. Mm -hmm. Um, Williston was, first of all, they, their planning, um, how they handled it all was excellent. Um, Very few cases. uh, And also they were a great partner to the city. So, I was mentioning to Sue, you know, I shut down the public buildings pretty fast, but, you know, we had to, the employees came back, you know, to, to work a little bit, but also they had other responsibilities in their life. And um, Williston provided us with weekly testing along with their students, along with their staff. So East Hampton staff, um, you know, at a reduced rate, like half of what the state was going to charge us, um, you know, and we got tested every, every week, everybody got tested. You got your, your results back in, you know, 36 hours or so. And Williston was one that offered that up. They're like, well, like, what can we do? Um, and that was so important with public safety and people are like, yeah, but if nobody's in the building, like, you know, we don't have big departments, you know, our audit department is one and a half persons. So one of them get ill or don't know they're ill even if they're not coming into the building, can re- it paralyzes us. Yeah. Um, and the texting program was rigorous. It was, it, it was really helpful. Um, employees were very grateful that they had the opportunity to get tested as they, you know, during, during the most intense times of uh, the great. pandemic. But Wilson, great partner. We've already talked to them about food clinics. Um, they gave us masks when the ma- our mask order was behind. And, and we help them out with material. So great partner um, during uh, during the pandemic. That's really great. I'm, a, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sue, you had a question too. I think I was cutting you off. Well, I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little crabby, so forgive me. I'm the crabby Republican tonight. So, um, <laughs> Mayor LaChapelle, you're on that um, economic recovery board for the state, so you help sort of set the guidelines. So, I'm I'm my crabbiness is not really directed at you per se. Mm-hmm. It's really more yeah. Northampton. I you know it's like. All, all of us are working, you know, and a lot of us are working yeah. and we're out and we wear masks. And I I see um, city workers go into town hall in Northampton. And yet I can't 
you know, I can't go in and drop things off. I can't get things done. You know, I had trouble with the registry the other day and uh, they mm-hmm. lost my check for, for my registration. And uh, I, I, um, I couldn't get an answer to what happened to it. And I expired and I went to AAA and they were all there. They had, you know, plastic shields. and But I just don't quite get, you know, where everybody is. They're all doing remotely. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's happening in East Hampton too, but I just, you know, I find it a little annoying um, as a, even though I'm a small government person, I don't want it so small. I can't get services. So anyway, I, I don't know if you can address that at all. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I think um, I'm, you know, Sue, I, I will be very blunt. I'm fine um, that you're annoyed, uh, but I'm happy <laughs> that I'm fine uh, with that. That's okay. Um, but I'm happy and pleased that we're holding the course of keeping people away from each other. Um, you know, I, I think that we are so lucky, you know, and not being a perfect union by any means and not everybody is lucky that we're, we're able to do what we can. And, you know, I, I remind people all the time, it's, it's a pandemic and the people who are serving you are facing the same health issues um, that you are. And maybe even more if somebody in the family is, you know, compromised, uh, immunocompromised. Uh, if nothing else, I think the pandemic has leveled some playing fields. I mean, I don't know if I can say one of these words um, on, on air, but I will say, you know, when it comes down to it, mortality is a blank. Um, <laughs> and we're all, we're all feeling it. It's, it's scary. It's annoying. It's, you know. I need you, you want things that are routinized, right? Every two years, you got to go get a sticker every, you know, every 10 years, you got to get a passport and, and that's disruptive. And it's, I I think it's like another little prick in our conscious of like things. There is no new normal. Um, Not yet. You know, no, I I don't think there will be. I think there'll be a life that we live um, whenever this ends, if it does. And, um, that we can't even anticipate truly. Um, so one thing I'm wondering mm-hmm. is, uh, and you know, if I, I, I should have probably looked this up in advance, but I, I honestly didn't. So uh, are, what, what are the requirements for students to be vaccinated in the schools? Cause you know, the vaccine is cleared for, for, for kids 12 and up. Yeah. I mean, so there's no vaccination mandate. There's a strong encouragement um, like for instance, you know, if you want, is the to state to, leaving that up to the town or, uh, uh, or is that yeah. like a, okay. Yeah, no, I wish, I wish the state would leave it up to the towns on how much local aid we get. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> they're going to leave a whole bunch of stuff. That I, I'd like that left up to me as well. I think, I think myself and, and other mayors and select boards, we could figure that out. <laughs> I don't think uh, I, I, uh, I don't think Governor Baker really wants to make a decision that, you know, might piss off, you know, the, you know, the 10 percent of the state that are, you know, hardcore Republicans that he really needs to win elections. So, you know, yeah, so, precedent for mandating. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So was that your decision it, not it, to? It, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think. I think you Democrats help make Charlie Baker the the uh, the governor. So it's, yeah, we did. On a lot of votes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, um, Mayor LaChapelle, did you say that you guys actually did some measurements in town hall for ventilation to figure out how many people safely and and all that? I mean, you actually um, did sort of that 
math in terms of air and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's pretty intense. Yeah, no, we did in all the public buildings, including the schools, to figure out where we are and, you know, the, the rate of air coming in, but how it circulates. Um, and City Hall in particular is problematic because the there are no windows and the only opening um, in the building are three doors, one of which we don't use. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, so <laughs> that, I mean, City Hall, right. I mean, people are like, and I can't do that. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I I do. I understand the inconvenience. I understand, like, you want to conduct business. You don't understand something. Um, but for safety of employees in public, you know, City Hall was shut down for a long time. We did put up tents in the um, in the parking lot, and people have meetings out there or exchange paperwork out there or or whatnot, and that helped a little bit. Um, but of course, it's, it's not what it was. But we did. We looked at air exchange um, levels in all of the building in City Hall. Um, we ended up bringing these heavy duty air scrubbers in because we. Th- a longer term fix just wasn't going to happen right away. I mean, I'm, I'm just signing a contract now um, to look at energy efficiency as far as circulating air and upgrading some of our filters in City Hall. And some of that was just the negotiation process, but some of it was like, don't hurry up to wait because we can't get, you know, we have supply chain issues. Yeah. Um, you know, so City Hall will be, you know, up to more standard, you know, grades and, and recommendations from the CDC airflow. The Council on Aging is in a better place. It's older, but the windows open. Um, and it's one of those heating systems when in the winter you still have to open the, the windows. Um, you know, and, and public safety was problematic. We needed to get some air scrubbers in there, but we'll address that um, in the next eight months. And the schools did their some mitigation around um, air circulation. Yeah, I was going to say, what about the the new school that you know uh, that you know uh, uh, was a big thing when you first were coming into office uh, that had been you know set up by your predecessors, and you really had to sort of you know bring bring the project home, as it were, and and mm-hmm. uh, I, you were on, and we we talked about that before, and even. Uh, uh, trying to find, you know, efficiencies of scale and using state grants and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, my opinion, I thought you made some pretty sensible decisions given your range of options, but um, you know, like that's still like a big expensive thing. And now uh, like if, 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 you know, this were four years ago, we'd be like, Oh, Hey, we need, you know, how's the ventilation going to hold up to an airborne pathogen, which wasn't something, you know, and I mean, like, no. like just, just I, I have a master's degree in the history of science and medicine. So, like, a history of disease and how outbreaks is one of the things that I studied in school, and I'm really interested in. And it's like it didn't even occur to me, me to ask that back then, mm-hmm. much less mm-hmm. you know ordinary people. So and why would you? Uh, because that's the kind of nerd I am. It's a it's a, it's a failure. I'm sharing my shame with the public. But anyway, <laughs> there's way too much shame that you have to share for this we don't have enough time but i mean for normal people like why would there's no reason for us to think about that it, it's just it's such a um it's, an interesting thing that now we have it's, like it, it's kind of like a um a uh, like speaking as a someone with chronic health issues 
I know exactly a lot. I know a lot about my health, about the medications I take, about how I'm supposed to do it, X, Y, and Z. And now like the world is kind of like, okay, so we, we're all, uh, COVID-19 like experts apparently now, <laughs> um, we're gonna, uh, we have to take care of this, you know, like it's, it's really an interesting, um, shift in, uh, in priorities that was kind of thrust upon us. It's, well, it's, it. we're lucky because this, this used to be normal worrying about ventilation and the spread of diseases was yeah. a thing for most of human history. And we've been lucky over the past century or so that like, yeah, you know, we kind of, it kind of got it under control, yeah, you know, like, you don't have to worry about smallpox and polio and <laughs> yeah. stuff and measles. And, yeah, but, yeah. Think, think about all the lead certified buildings that don't have enough yeah. ventilation. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a problem. Ask any farmer why an old farmhouse leaks air and they'll tell you, you know, it's to get the fresh air in there. But, you know, the heating bills through the roof. But, right. yeah, the lead certification, those buildings are sealed up tighter than a drum. So, right. Because that's good for HVAC, and if you have good filters, then yeah, it's fine. You don't have to worry about dust. Cheap, dust is energy, problem. but anyway, yeah, sorry, energy. sorry, Nicole. I think we spoke over you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not even sure what. No, um, I do know what the question is. So, in the you know, we have the three older elementary schools. We were able to do a little bit of stuff. A lot of that is kind of like. MacGyver, um, using fans, opening windows, keeping doors open, you know, not closing down in the halls. Um, and we're doing okay. Very worried about the winter and yeah. how it will work then. We all are, but you yeah. know, kind of a day by day. The new school, it, we were fortunate that as we were building it, where we were in the building process, um, it was very easy to upgrade filters and air circulations and add some additional controls. <laughs> Um, and the same with the high school. It's not super old and we were able to upgrade. Um, it's the older buildings and, and city hall where substantial work has to, has to happen, which will help the air quality. And remember, these air quality guidelines we're talking about and we're shooting for, they've been out and about and published. And, you know, the, the state has a, uh, building program, uh, healthy communities, healthy buildings. So like our city hall hasn't been in compliance ever probably with healthy buildings, communities, but I was able to take that data, the COVID-19 data and, and where we were as far as em building envelope and solar and kind of mix it all into this big contract that I just got permission to bond for that brings in more non-fossil fuel energy into our portfolio, but also frees up and loosens the air in these in these old buildings. Um, I mean, in context, just as far as like internet experts or Michael, you didn't see this coming. When I was on the recovery advisory board, it was mostly around like how, how what will businesses need to reopen? I was on the board with um, Rochelle Walensky, who is now the director of the CDC. And we would have these meetings. I mean, it, they were, we met all the time. And one thing that Dr. Lewinsky, Lewinsky said over and over again, like she was surprised. It's not like she, I mean, this woman studies infection diseases and, yeah. and the head of DPH, Dr. Burrell, were like, 
this is this is new this is novel like this isn't even something in the back of our heads we thought could happen would spread this way i mean so when you're talking about even a nerd not you know it it, it was surprising that wasn't a comforting meeting when uh yeah, michelle and monica were like we didn't even see this coming yet that no one Whoa. no one said goodbye that time with a smile we were like oh um, but can I ask? Um, I'm sorry. Well, thank I, you I, for thank you for sal salving my ego. Go ahead, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, uh, <laughs> we only have a few minutes left. I just wanted to um, go back to the to the school thing. Um, you yeah. mentioned that uh, the state doesn't have any mandates for uh, for vaccinations for schools. It's left up to the town. So uh, that was uh, you guys' decision to not have mandates. For vaccination mandates in the school? No, we started with a strong advisory and yeah. the, the school committee and the superintendent before, I think Baker just started talking about, he's not going to, he's going to leave it to the school district. Uh, the school committee, which I have a seat on and the superintendent were like, no way, like kids are going back masks. We're going to, you know, there wasn't a choice. If there's medical conditions, let's deal with that on the case-by-case -case basis. But um, East Hampton School Committee said, no, everybody's masked, staff, students. And, and that's how we started the school. Um, I want to say the next, the meeting, our first meeting in October, that'll be reviewed, viewed on the data that we've been keeping, the dashboard we put up every week of, of what are, you know, what are the cases, what are the infection rates. I, I don't see... I, I will say absolutely, definitely, I would vote um, against lifting a mask mandate. Um, but I'm, you know, one of seven, but I, I think that that's what my colleagues will do as well. So the school's mask mandate, um, city mask mandate inside. Um, and also if you are in a large outdoor, like in an event of over a hundred people, right. mask up unless, yeah. So I mean, but I was... Uh, um, I was more talking about uh, uh, vaccination mandates. Yeah, no, we're not. Um, what what I've done in City Hall with with employees is, um, if you are not vaccinated, um, you need to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Are there testing have, requirements? There's no testing. It's whether you're vaccinated or not, then you mask. Um, if there is a medical condition involved, then there's a you know accommodation plan, obviously. Uh, but we, I have asked for because of various things that have happened, um, that folks who are vaccinated um, or want to go unmasked, they need to show a vaccination card to my office, not anything for their medical file before they can walk around um, city hall without a mask. That said. We're now under a mask mandate, so it's a little bit smooth because it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. You've got to wear a mask when you're walking around. Um, so you oh, have that's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, President Biden. Northamptons too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, President Biden's move to say, like, you know, federal employees have to be, you know, vaccinated or get weekly tests. Uh, obviously, that's federal, not state or town employees. But uh, have you thought about doing something like that? And if you do. Do we have uh, a facility for testing? Oh, hey, we're at the halfway point. Aren't uh, we? No, no, I was going to. Uh, we are. Um, but also uh, the 
uh, President Biden said that all federal employees must be vaccinated. That's uh, yeah. was for for businesses. Yeah. The the private oh, private right. businesses with over a hundred yeah. people, they have to either be vaccinated or do weekly tests. But all federal employees have to be met uh, are mandated vaccinations. All right. Yeah, that's oh, true. Actually, I, so I, we're going to take a short safety. break. Yeah, well, we're going to take a short break, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more with uh, Mayor Nicole LaChapelle of East Hampton here on Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly, and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's Subculture Music Program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. to Evidence-Based Radio, Science and Skepticism from a Feminist and Socialist Perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we are back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm still Michael Dow. Uh, John Roberts and Sue Timberlake are still trying to keep me uh, keep me under control as usual. Uh, uh, we know we don't try anymore. It's just <laughs> why well, waste the energy? <laughs> it's throwing good money after bad. You know what I'm saying? Fair, fair enough. But we're also we are also uh, fortunate enough to be joined tonight by uh, the mayor of East Hampton, Nicole LaChapelle, who I should mention 
is up for re-election this year. Uh, the state's uh, elections are going to be on November 2nd this year. So vote for, you know, your, your mayor and city council and everybody else. Um, and though, uh, Sue Northampton is isn't doing instant runoff voting, so they've got uh, they've got a couple of like the the mayor's race. There's four candidates, and it's gonna there's a primary on is it September 28th? It's not a primary. Yeah. Well, they'll knock it down to two. It's not a primary because yeah. it's it's not it's not partisan. There's actually five on the ballot, and one person already dropped off, but they're still on the ballot. So, and for the city council races, there's five candidates for the two <laughs> at large races, so they have a runoff on that's September 28th. See. So, so, so to eliminate one to person, to, oof, that's rough. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it is rough. It is rough, and then the four will go on and race each other for the two seats. So, All but right. um. You know, a lot of the the debates and stuff are on Zooms. That I think there's going to be a couple of events, uh, the Bridge Street School and the Lead School in um, outdoors, but uh, hard to know what you can go. Online, so it's the new normal. Well, don't want to be too partisan, but uh, Nicole, uh, if you've got a website for your campaign. If people want to learn more about you and whatever com right that's it All right so uh we'll drop a link into the show notes and yeah so uh uh as we trek nerds say kapla <laughs> uh, yeah i mean and, and in can you know in comparison to northampton and most cities um east hampton is also nonpartisan, but we do not have a runoff we this will be the first time we use ranked choice voting for our mayor, for mayor and for city council at large. Hmm. Uh, this is also the first um, time folks will be voting uh, for mayor and it's a four-year term instead of a two-year term. Ah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so, Yeah, Northampton yeah. did that too a couple of yeah. years ago. Yeah. It's, so, it's a long it's a haul. Thing to do. So, so yeah. if you can make yeah. it, it's job security. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to start running like you're, you know, into the minute you turn. You, yeah, you get exactly. in. You, have to, you can you can actually wait a little to start running again. So. Yeah, like I said, job security. Anyway, <laughs> so Nicole, uh, I know Sue has some questions she want to ask you about uh, uh, the roads here in town and stuff like that. Yeah. But I just wanted to uh, before we uh, uh, wrap up with talking about COVID. Uh, so you know, uh, I, I'm I personally, you know, were I you know, the dictator of East Hampton, which obviously we're all very happy. I'm not, but, um, you know, I'd be like, no, students have to get vaccinated and everybody's got to wear masks all the time, you know, whatever, you know, like, like those, cause like that's safer. But, um, I understand like apparatus you're in and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, uh, so the mandate, uh, uh, you don't have a, a vaccine mandate. You have a strong record how many of the students who could get vaccinated uh, have been? Uh, we're close on the students. We're close to 80%. I mean, find out Tuesday, but um, we could be over 80. But uh, they, um, yeah, the high school population, they were on it. Not a lot. Um, you know, of course, there's the under 12 um yeah. folks that we're we're waiting on hopefully soon but overall the city's vaccination rate 
is depending on how what people you're counting in that rate or not is you know very high 60s 72 73% i mean we're we're doing pretty we're doing pretty well but that that's a very dangerous thing to say right if anybody says oh i got you know a 73% return on investment or whatnot that would be great but the bottom line is you know it only takes one person yeah. you know outside of that 73% to start um another blip upwards another you know cohort of, of yeah. folks who are trans you know are are infecting, it the infecting people but also yeah having covid itself yeah so well you know the old joke about how like two people are being chased by a bear and one of them says you know i don't have to be faster than the bear I just have to be faster than you so mm-hmm. like if covid were a bear 73 percent is a lot better than a lot of other places so it'd be like all right cool but it's not you know, <laughs> like yeah, it just yeah. means it just means that like we are less fewer problems with breakout infections and lingering COVID in the community. Not that we won't have any. Well, and Delta is so contagious. Yeah. But did you guys hear the new number? I think it was yesterday. They were saying one in five hundred Americans has yeah. passed away from COVID. That's a, that's huge. It's yeah. huge. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're cl- yeah. we're closing in on seven hundred thousand dead Americans, so that's that is quite a lot. And even before the vaccines, right? And certainly the vaccines help. I mean, it's like after the first four weeks of of really being at you know the second half of March and the first half of April, it it was clear to me that it wasn't about prevention and it wouldn't be ever again. It was about mitigation and even those very simple basic tools we had around masking, around keeping your distance, around washing your hands. If people had been more vigilant then, we would have had fewer deaths. Now we have the vaccine, but still have to follow the masking procedure and we're having fewer deaths, but but we're allowing these variants, you know, to become exactly what they are. Variants are mutating. Um, and that's very frustrating. Um, very, very frustrating. And, you know, what the long haul implications are, uh, neurological implications, we just we just don't know. I mean, we can't even say that we can pretend to know. Um, on that happy note. Well, <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed that uh, uh, people around the state will continue to, you know, wise up to the reality that, uh, you know, if they don't want to w- be wearing masks and having to get tested regularly, then mm-hmm. getting vaccinated is the the best way to to bring that that safety regime to an end. So. Hey, even Fox News knows that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 can I can I ask a tough question to the mayor? <laughs> yes. About roads. About yes. roads. Do roads. the roads have COVID? That's the question. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and you know. People tell me I, I go to East Hampton, so I should confess that I've noticed it too. But you know, some of the roads are kind of rough in East Hampton, and I, I, you know, I, I think I don't know if this happened or not, but Northampton seems to be, you know, every road is shut down right now, doing all this construction and all that. I don't know if uh, was it Chapter sixty or Chapter 90, I forget 90. the right ninety for roads. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, what happened with all of that in COVID and do you have big plans or have you guys been working on your roads or what's the, what's the state of the state of the union in East Hampton? So, um, so first I, I will just make a differentiation between actually as a part of their capital plan, as a part of their financial plan is that they, I think every five years go for, um, a proposition two and a half um, override. Uh, override, thank you. Uh, and of that, that allows them, or they've chosen to put a million dollars extra aside into their Chapter 90 money from the state to do paving and things like that. Um, we do not have the tax base to do that. Um, we just we just don't. Um, so that's one thing that goes on uh, to East Hampton. We've done actually a lot of road work in the last four years. Um, but our road work, we pair it with the water and sewer. So there's a whole little section of town over by Admiral Street, Charles Ave, that we've been working on. There's well-traveled roads, no, but the sewer infrastructure there is over a hundred years old. There are wooden pipes there, there are clay. So we're kind of going for the twofer. Um, uh. That's East Street. We're paving East Street section by section. We've hit some of the roads that have been in really poor shape. Um, some of them have been dirt and, and pressing them down. Um, the other is Union Street. We have a $7 million grant we've been working on for the last three years, and hopefully it will be put out to bid this January or February and all of Union Street. So biggies down to um, uh, to City Hall, to the pond will be completely redone. Sewers and, and everything um, will, will be redone. And the Main Street, where we started South Street to up uh, South Street, to the, like right around the library um, is in the middle of it. We're replacing sewer apparatus and also street. Um, we have traffic studies going on right now and designs to redo over a new city area by um, the mills, both Parson and Ferry, that intersection and, and those roads to make it a little more pedestrian friendly. And we've had a chance to do some substantial work um, East Hampton's program or way to look at roads for a very long time was to do, you know, patch, cold patch, hot patch. Uh, climate change has made that, you know, all but obsolete. You know, our winters, it doesn't stay cold enough for hot patch and it pops out and vice versa. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So that said, um, that has been a conundrum for forever. Uh, I would also, I also say, is that include uh, cracks, crack sealing? You know, I used to live in Belmont and they would crack seal the, the jeepers out of the roads every year. And then actually they would have that problem you mentioned, which is they just finished paving a road and the electric company would set, come and say, we need to get in there. And, and they'd kind okay. of strip in the new yeah. road that was just paved. So it, I can imagine it's hard to do, but um, interesting. Cold patch and hot patch having trouble. Yeah, yeah definitely. A lot of trouble. places and, do that. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, and we're, you know, one of many. Uh, the, you know, the road condition, we're making up for a lot of deferred maintenance. And also when the economy gets tight, small cities like East Hampton really lose out because the state tightens 90 money, right? And, and it ends up going to emergencies. And when you have, you know, a sewer infrastructure under those streets and water pipes that anytime we open, like there are parts of Union Street we've had to open because of water main breaks and we find still clay pipes and wooden pipes. Um, really? Wooden pipes? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Um, so, I've heard they're under Boston, so I, I, so you guys yeah. have water, wooden pipes too? Oh, my yeah. goodness. No, and so to Northampton the, has know, wooden pipes, you know. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Like in well, use have, or... Uh, well, I suppose they might have replaced them all, but last I heard, I was talking with uh, 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 yeah, Jim Wright, the guy from uh, Wright Builders, and he said, like, yeah, I remember we were, you know, doing work and uh, pulled up, uh, you know, wooden water mains from, you know, the yeah. 18th century or whatever. So, are there yeah, are there still wooden pipes in use in East Hampton, or are they like? No, they're still in as long, probably still as long as they're wet. Yeah, as long oh as they're goodness. wet, it's like the beams under trinity church in boston are are underwater so they, they they're preserved wow. interesting yeah. yeah clay pipes as well i mean we have clay pipes that are still you know operating and sometimes we find out that they're clay pipes because they break and then we pick up the road um, yeah, truck drives over it and crunches it yeah it's, um yeah so i mean it's the conditions of the roads we do a lot of long-term planning like union street everybody complains about union street um is a big one Main Street, we're taking care of that now. You know, there are a couple of other rough streets. Um, and I understand that. I wish we could do more paving. We're, we're going to do more paving um, and have started to do more and more as we're switching around our Chapter 90 money and as well as cannabis money has been very helpful for that. I'm just going to ask you yeah. if you were making any money from that. I know Northampton's getting a fair amount of money from the the cannabis business. Oh yeah, I mean we're we'll redo a very dangerous intersection that's near Ensa because we've had increased traffic there because of the dispensary. So we don't we can just use cannabis money to do that whole project, and and we will we are. Um, yeah. Found revenue you know, sort all, of. Yeah, that all said, when I talk to folks about they're really upset about the condition of the roads in East Hampton and I, I, you know, know they're not just saying it for the heck of it. I, I do ask, you know, what, what's the end result of it for, for you, the driver and whatnot. And, you know, and they'll say, well, I have to go slower. And I was like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm kind of okay with that. I don't have a problem. Traffic come by pothole very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, I know some people that, too. yeah, I've heard people yeah. uh, live on private roads like it that way because th they leave the big yeah. potholes so people don't cut through. Yep. <laughs> yep. And there are a lot of roads in North, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are a lot of, there are roads in East Hampton, which are technically um, public. public. Um, no, they're, they're public, but they're dirt roads because that's how they, that's how these folks um, you know, they didn't want to pave or whatever the agreement was with the city as far as upkeep. Um, there are all sorts of 
agreements now that are more uniform and that wouldn't happen. But, um, you know, there are a lot of homes, a lot of uh, property in East Hampton that have been held by the same family and the same people for, you know, more than a hundred years. The house I live in, I'm the first person who wasn't in that family to live in this house, to own in the house. Wow. And that was in wow. 2016. Mm. And how old's wow. the house? 18, I don't yeah. know, say 1885, 18. So a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More than a, yeah. more than a century. Yeah. Okay. A, yep. A, a, a yeah. couple, yeah. a couple yeah. of generations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Sorry, on, on road still, I, I think this is right, but doesn't, I thought there was some sort of uniform code for the state now, or at least for the last 20 years or so, that you don't, as a city, you don't have to accept a public way, a private way as a public way, unless they bring it up to code. Right. Or something like that. I may be mistaken yeah, in that. No, I don't know if that's the exact regulation now, but yes, there is. It's not. It's it's not of like okay I've built this house and there's a three mile road and I want you know this to the be a city public. To it's take not care. automatic. Has to they have to through a public bring it process. up. Yeah, or at least yeah. now they do because they used to accept dirt roads. But I thought the state did that to try and protect the cities. Yeah, because they were inheriting yeah. these these yeah. things that didn't have the right base and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I could talk roads all night, but I'm boring the audience. So thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Well, I like some of the road improvements that have been made. I like that rotary down um, down by the pond and the uh, the, mm-hmm. the old factory buildings. I can't remember the name of that. Yeah. Anyway, but you know, down there by the VFW. Yep. Yeah, I like yep. that. Uh, I think it, it that has improved that intersection because it it didn't have a light, kind of needed one, but I think the rotary yeah. works as well or better. So, so wait, yay. there's a rotary or roundabout. Oh, it's a roundabout. We don't have roundabout. I'm sorry. I forget that there's a difference because I'm like, it's a circle thing. You know, you drive into the circle and you go around the circle and then you go to the the part you want to go and you keep driving. I mean, it's not that complicated. (laughs) Yeah. You you said rotary and roundabout. My ears perked up. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Roundabout. It's a roundabout. Roundabout. Yeah. We have two roundabouts in uh, in East Hampton. So, and a faux rotary. Hmm. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that that that's that's a problem. But <laughs> we're, we're working on it. We, yeah. we just got the okay to do design studies, and they told us there's a whole bunch of money available if we we hit their design criteria, their uh, design deadline or timeline. So I I think we're going to be able to do that. But that that section of Man Street, is, I, I think it's we do everything exactly on time. I think construction is. 20, 27, 20, 28. Wow. I think cool. we have time for like a quick, well, one more quick question. Does anybody have other initiatives? Here? Yeah. For when she's reelected, if she's reelected. Yeah. I mean, the, if, if we elected the next four years are really, it, everything leads to one place um, and that's housing. Um, that will be, you Ooh, know, other housing. than the, yeah, housing. I mean, we're, um, there's nothing on the market to buy if you can afford to buy a house. Um, rents are insane. Um, folks who want to sell their big house don't do it. A lot of them don't do it because they couldn't buy something smaller and these things not available. If it's available, it's too expensive. So 
looking outside the box, working with like the folks at One Ferry and the other mill owners around affordable housing, like capital A, you know, section eight and, and also, you know, incremental uh, income housing where you're paying a certain percent and, and it's not all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're making $17 an hour and you, you lose your home, but, but something that allow you to grow with your home and the inner also uh, first time home buyers uh, programs to, to build a house or I think what will be more feasible will be first time home buyers and buying condominium um, in a rehab school. We have three schools that are coming, will be surplus to us. Um, yeah. When do you finish the, the new elementary middle school that, that finishes at the end of, or, or in, in next year is when it's, it's finished, right? The construction? Yeah. The, the idea right now is that middle school age students will move into the new building in January after the holidays. Right. Um, and then the existing middle school gets demolished and the finishing touches get done on elementary. I mean, there's a possibility to get the elementary into the school before June 30 of 2022. Um, but, you know, conventional wisdom is, you know, let's, let's do something slower um, and over the summer and then have all the students go to the new school in, in the fall of 2022. We're still, we're still working that out. And honestly, COVID, you know, is a big part of that. So, yep. I mean, it, you know, depending on, on what our rates are and how we're going and how soon we can get a vaccine for the, the younger kids. And, and then that happens and we have three elementary school buildings in our downtown district that become available. So it's very exciting working on reuse, but it's all about housing, 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 housing. <laughs> nice. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, I've noticed uh, the, the, the metric I use is I'm, I'm like waiting for parking in East Hampton downtown for it to start being metered. Cause like that was to me, like the moment where it's like, Oh yeah, Northampton's getting bigger. You know, I, I will not from- do that. As long as I am mayor, I will never have metered parking in East Hampton. Okay. No, oh. Ooh, I, I could nice. vote for you if I lived in East Hampton. <laughs> I hate parking meters. No, no meter parking. No. The businesses, it kills them. <laughs> I know the businesses, Sometimes. like, right. Yeah. Right now I just lost a bunch of votes, but um, yeah. <laughs> It's just not well, our jam. There, 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 there's, there's a logic to uh, uh, parking because it means, you know, paying for parking because it means that there's more turnover and that helps businesses. But, you know, yeah, on the other hand, it is nice to, you know, be able to go downtown and park. So um, anyway. And spend money. That's just, yeah, good point. I didn't see the flip side of it, but good point. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I try oh, to spend yeah, money in good. East Hampton, but yeah. <laughs> good. Anyway, I hear the music, which means we have to wrap this show up here because we got to get ready for subculture coming up at 8 o'clock here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, and followed by that is a table of contents at 10 and then OK Asia at midnight. So, uh, yeah. So, thank you for joining us. Uh, hope you'll come back again soon. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, either, either as mayor or not, depending on your fortunes in, in November. But, you know. It'd be two very different shows, Michael. Two very different shows. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's all I'm gonna say. That's, that's fine. The, that's the dangler. That's the teaser. Cliffhanger. All right. Tune in to find out what that. Yeah. Very right. fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay, gonna guys. do it for civil politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, uh, John Rossu, uh I'm just gonna take over and take us off here. So uh, right. we've got a podcast of this show. Will be up in the early morning hours of Monday. We've got a repeat broadcast on uh, 4 p.m. on Mondays on the on the air. And uh, that'll do it for now. So uh, thanks for listening to Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio. Hope you'll join us again soon. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.